darkened shadows of the government halls lies the truth. A truth waiting for a voice. The KCUR Digital Radio Network proudly presents to you that voice. And now, broadcasting to you at the speed of light. From her mobile command unit, somewhere on the celestial highway. The host of hyperspace, Solaris Blue Raven. Solaris Blue Raven. Wanna take a ride? Take a ride. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hyperspace on KCR Digital Radio Network, live out of Las Vegas, Nevada. I am your host, Solaris Blue Raven. Hope everybody's enjoying their Fantopia Friday with UFO Classified with Eric Lutz and Restricted Airspace with Tina Marie. And you can listen live to the show on your phone, calling in at 605-475-1680. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can sign into the chat room at kcrradio.com and participate for the show in chat. Or you can call in with a question on Skype at KCR Radio or call in and ask a question at 702-425-9230. You can text your questions or comments at hashtag KCOR on Twitter. And my recent book, One Million Miles to Midnight, is available on Amazon.com and Quantity.com Publishing. So pick up your copy today. Shout out to Dark Matter Digital Network. Catch the replay over there at Hyperspace on Sundays at their network. And you can also catch the archives for free here at KCR Digital Radio Network in the archives section. If you'd like to support the station at KCR Digital Radio Network, click that donate button to show your support for the station and host. You can also donate to a show of your choosing here at KCR, which you can specify. And we thank you for supporting this network. And see here oh yes that's right you can catch the replay for hyperspace at paranormal uk radio network each tuesday night from 10 p.m till midnight and that's greenwich mean time and i have a wonderful guest for for y'all tonight it's barbara delong uh internationally renowned spiritual intuit medium channel author artist lecturer and ordained minister barbara delong has been working professionally in the spiritual field since the early 70s excuse me in addition to being a full-time special education teacher and a single parent in the 80s she began painting personal mandalas for friends since that time, her paintings and the life readings that go with them are now worldwide with over 400 of them in private collections. <clears throat> Excuse me, you guys. These individual paintings evolved into a circular oracle deck called the Cosmic Deck of Initiation. And her website, Barbara DeLong Spiritual Empath, is a teaching site combining personal information and a plethora of spiritual material and energetic forecasts for each week of the year. In October 2009, she launched her own radio show called Nightlight, which features spiritual philosophy and teaching. And that Nightlight is on Revolution Radio each Monday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Studio B. And her newest project in, is her new book, Whispers of Spiritual Wisdom, published by Oracle Publishing. It's a collection of her poetry and short spiritual insights. The book has gotten impressive reception, and the next book is in the works, and she's working on some really cool projects. We're going to discuss that tonight. Please welcome, oh, her website is barbaradelong.com. Please welcome Barbara to the show this evening. Good evening, Barbara. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm just great. Just right before I lost my internet, but hey, it's back and we're good and hey, we're live and it's wonderful to have you on board tonight. So tell everybody what you're doing, what you've been up to. Oh my goodness. Well, um, there is a new book um, uh, in the works and it's called 101 Questions Most Commonly Asked of Psychics. And uh, there's really about 200 questions there and it, I compiled a whole list of Different questions that I've been asked, like, you know, is there spiritual DNA or why do babies laugh or, you know, just a huge number of questions that I've been asked over and over and over again in the last 50 years. And so I'm, uh, they, they are, for the most part, they're starting out on my website, but they will be put together in book form probably within the next year. And that'll be hopefully sometime in 2018 be out. Nice. And, uh. Then I have a project with Bill Brown that I am really excited about. Yeah, let's hear this one. 
this is a man who has done, oh, in the last, I don't know, decade, he's made at least 56 trips to the Giza Plateau. He, he literally kind of lives there. And he's done, he's done archaeological digs there. He's, he's done a tremendous amount of work um, with, with a lot of the antiquities that are there. Basically looking to uncover some of the mysteries that, that, that the government is trying to hide, which is really kind of cool. He's also done the thing that I have always wondered why they weren't doing it. And, and he has, he's done, he's taken a ground penetrating radar over most of the Giza Plateau. Mm. And in doing so, he has discovered chambers and tombs and all sorts of anomalies that are under the sands of time, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, he hasn't he hasn't been able to dig a lot of them, but he what the way that he pinpoints them on top of the ground penetrating radar is he's lined up and he has um, star maps and he has found a star map that matches the plateau perfectly. Nice. And he lays he has laid the star map over the Giza Plateau, and there are star points on it that radiate energy, vortexes. Um, they become uh, portals to another dimension, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so he's, he's located and, and tagged 33 of them. And we're putting together a group of people. Anybody can, anybody can become involved if they want to. It, it, it's, we're, what we're going to do is we are going to pinpoint these um, anomalies, these vortexes, these portals, one by one. And we will, as a group, in meditation, go into the energy of that particular place. We will we'll give people a, a, a Google map as to exactly where it is that we're focusing the energy and blending with the energy and going into whatever is beneath the sand. Very and, nice. And we will spend a little while in there. Um, it will be a lead meditation to get into it. And then I will turn people loose for a little while. Then I'll bring people back and give people time to sort of write down or jot down what they saw. And then we're going to share the information and give Bill the, the, the notes and everything that, that we have gotten. And he's going to be with us doing this as well. But it's going to help him determine where next to dig. And, and and I, I sent I sent um, him a note about it because uh, Psychic Magic, the magazine, mm -hmm. has asked that they, you know, if they could print the invitation to people to take part in this. And, um, you know, I said, you know, yeah, go for it. And their only their only condition was that at some point we, we write an article as to our findings, which should be fascinating. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bill is himself a channel. So that, so that there are, and there are a lot of, you know, really amazing people that have decided that this would be so much fun to do. And in the, in the invitation I sent out to people, I said, just think you can be part of, of historical archaeology and you don't have to experience dirt or sand. So yeah. you can. Well, I told you I'm in, I'm in on it. I'm, I'm interested. I will, I will. Fun send you the information anybody who would like to be a part of it all they have to do is send me an email at barbaradelong at gmail.com and i will put you in with the group and as we give people 
um, information and, and get going. You'll be informed and a part of it all. It will be done on a blog talk station um, so that so that we can have three hours to actually work with and um, and archived. It will all be private, but of course, anybody who's taking part in it will have the you know, be able to go back and listen to the archives, but it won't be open to the general public. But well, the very first tomb we're going into is the tomb of Osiris, and he's been in it. Nice. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Well, and we, we figured as soon as we get done with, with the Giza Plateau, you know, we'll go on to, oh, I don't know, maybe Belize or... You know, we'll we'll hit other places where he can take his grandpad and training radar and his star maps and and pinpoint other areas that that uh, could easily be of of interest to everybody. I mean, it it's sad in that um, the the Egyptian government is is so reluctant to let to let information out, and I don't know why. Except, of course, it, it contradicts the history books, and therefore they don't mm-hmm. want to rewrite history. So they're they're covering up truth that could expand consciousness and awareness and all sorts of stuff, and 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 it could enhance humanity. So, mm-hmm. but but it does. It's not just the Egyptian government. I might add, it's most governments. So yeah. So you know, it's it's just it's a very exciting thing. And, you know, I had him on my show and we were talking and before we knew it, we had this project going and it was, it's, it's pretty exciting. I love it. It's very unique. I've never heard anything like this before. So I'm very, very excited. I encourage everybody listening to sign up. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get involved in it. I think it's fantastic. And I'm looking forward to it because that's up my alley. Stuff like that is always up my alley. Well, it's, it's, it, what's exciting for me is that, when you get together with, with a group of people who are meditating, you have a powerful energy there. And, you know, when you do your own personal meditations and stuff like that, and if you're good at it, then you do experience wonderful things. But if you've got 20, 30, 40 other people who are focusing at the same place at the same time, you that 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 power, that energy is is exponential i mean it just explodes and you are you are so capable of so much more than you would be had you done the journey by yourself yeah it's the power of the collective there's no doubt about that one yeah it it certainly is i think it's fantastic so when exactly is this going to start what day Uh, (laughs) um i'm i'm we have people that have signed up in um Australia and in South Africa and in Great Britain. So it will probably be it will probably be in the in the late afternoon and, and probably on a weekday. Sweet. Uh, and uh, so just just to be convenient for everybody, so that people aren't having to get up at four in the morning or something like that. And um, he he flits around all over the place, but he will always be able to come in. And and I think it's going to start in three or four weeks. We're gonna I'm going to get things together so that I can get everybody in with a blog talk account and then everybody to make sure that they have downloaded uh, Google Maps so that when I send the link, they can go right to the site that we're going to be um, going into in that evening. And he's going to do some write-up on, on each of the uh, sites before we actually do it. So so a day or two before we do the, the meditation, um, people will get a, a write-up on on you know, the tomb of Osiris or, or whatever it is we're, we're going to go um, into. He's he's also actually um, been in the chamber underneath the Sphinx, I think, and, and he's he's 
He's been in a lot of the uh, tunnels and labyrinths that are that are in the Giza Plateau, and it's fascinating. It's it's he's one of those people that when you when you try to understand him at first you don't, and then then you kind of stop trying to understand him, and it becomes much more understandable. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Very very interesting. So, has he done any documentaries with the ground penetrating radar and what he's discovered at all? Um. You know, I've I've looked for them and I can't find them. I I, I think there are some YouTubes that he talks about um, the some of the ground. There is at least one YouTube I know of that that he does talk about the ground penetrating radar. But he is he is mapped especially right around the Great Pyramid. Um, it's it's just amazing the work that he has done, especially with the geometry and, and the geometric uh, figures and he is by trade also uh, among other things um, a master carpenter and nice. he's also he's also put do you remember maybe maybe this is too far back for you but there was a time back in the 60s and 70s a lot of us walked around with little pyramids on our heads well i remember the pyramids well i slept under a pyramid for the longest time i still have it he has created a new geometric form that is made up of 12 different pyramids Ooh. and, and they are doing all sorts of experiments with it and finding that the, the healing energy inside of them is phenomenal. And he has them scattered all over the world and he's getting people to give, you know, testimonies as to, you know, what kind of energy they've experienced and what kind of healing energy they've gotten. And, and so he's, he's all over the place with, with all sorts of phenomenal Cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I've got to get him on the show, Barbara. Oh, yeah. He's great. <laughs> he sounds fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's funny how you're talking about those pyramids. I'm a pyramid freak. I love pyramids, obviously. I think everybody, I don't know if it's the timeline we were on, but it's probably an old past life. But, yeah, definitely like the energies uh, transmitting from the pyramids. I think this is, is so exciting. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. And, you know, with your background, too, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be pretty powerful. I, I want to get him on with Dr. Sam um, and the Bosnian pyramids, too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that'd be great. That would be so cool. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've for some reason, you know, stone structures seem to call to me. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's the vibration, isn't it? More more I, than anything else. I I think so. I think so. I I just uh, frankly, I was never that fascinated with them until Patrick introduced me to the stone chambers that were right around my backyard, and not not quite my backyard, but within a couple of miles, anyhow. And we, we got into looking for who created those stone chambers. And when we found that nobody knew, that was a mystery that, that we followed through for about a year and a half. And we created the Secrets of the Stones documentary. And uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, you, you know, when you think about romance and stuff like that, you don't think about traipsing through the woods looking for through holes in the ground. But um, for some reason, it worked. Mm-hmm. And and. I, I have to admit, as a child, I was fascinated with King Tut's tomb, and uh, then that led to the Giza Plateau, and then Patrick came along, and, and he did a lot of stuff with the Giza Plateau, and, and especially the fact that, you know, the Great Pyramid was not a burial place, and, and so when when all of the fables and the myths that we'd been given in school, I mean, it was it, it was kind of sad. When I was in school... In elementary school, in the 
late 50s, early 60s, um, I was taught that, you know, Khufu built the Great Pyramid and it doesn't have a capstone. And then we went on to King Tut's tomb. And then when um, I taught school, that's exactly the same thing I taught. And then when my son went to school, that's the same thing he was taught. And, and my grandchildren, that's the same thing they were taught. And And you sit back and you think, now we know that none of that is true. Mm-hmm. And exactly. yet the history books are still teaching it, which is right. which is frightening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's complete propaganda. And this is why I love the idea of cellular memory and using one's mind and state of consciousness to dive into the celestial archives and what I call the Philad because we can actually get the data stream of information correct. Um, it's mm-hmm. unfortunate, like you were saying, that they've been they've been kind of sleeping people with data streams that are not accurate. And it, it, it infuriates the heck out of me. You know, I get so annoyed with that sort of thing. And I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing here on the timeline. But yeah. Um, I can remember a lot of propaganda. I never, I never cared for school. You know, I wasn't a big on. I was, I read, I used to read books when I was like four years old, and I didn't like school. Um, was not resonant with it at all. So very anti-established, even as a child. Well, neither did I. I hated school. Yeah, I mean, I was not my thing. Uh, music was my thing, and, and sports, but not anything else. I mean, of course, I am. You know, I, I could say I, I think it's the way they're presenting the information. You know, I, I love to read and I love information, but you know that what they're teaching is just inaccurate. So. And, unfor- yeah. and unfortunately, you know, there are, there, there's a syllabus and you have to follow the syllabus and you have to use their textbooks. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not just what's been eliminated as far as the Giza Plateau. That's just, that's just scratching the surface. You have all of the, the stuff about Columbus, which is just such a lie. And he didn't discover America. First of all, America wasn't lost. And, you know, it, there were there were people here. It was not lost, and and there are maps that go back so far in time that it's just it's it's pathetic that it, it's there, and and then there's the element of the fact that the giants were. I was going to say were here. Yeah, and why don't and, they incorporate that? Right. Oh, wouldn't that make history great? Yeah, I mean. Oh, yeah. Most kids don't learn history because it's so dull and boring. They they could care less. I mean, tell them about the giants. Tell them about the Indians and the giants and how they fought. Mm-hmm. Tell them about the red-haired giants in, in Nevada that got um, – I, I think it was the Paiutes, but I'm not sure. They chased the last remnants of the the red-haired giants into a cave, and they set fires and, and killed the giants. And it, it wasn't until – gosh – in the 20s, 30s, 40s, in there someplace where they, they were mining guano and uh, they started to dig into this, this huge guano that was in this cave and they started to come up with arrowheads and spears and and then finally giant bones. And it, it validated the Indian fable. Right, yeah. And I understand that Smithsonian uh, destroyed a lot of those skeletons from what I understand. I, I understand. Yeah, I understand that a lot of the giant bones were put on barges and taken out to sea and dumped. Mm. And uh, especially, especially in the 1860s, when when we were taking the West away from the Indians, um, the the army was told to to send all of the bones of the giants back east because they didn't want the public to know that we were killing white people. It was okay for us to kill the Indians, of course, but the white people, you know, that and the fact that they were giants, not a good idea. But right. but there there are burial mounds still in this country that have giant bones in them that they aren't digging into, 
I mean, mm-hmm. they've looted most of them, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah. You know, Jason Gerald's been doing some phenomenal work. I'm sure you're familiar with him on uh, on the Giants and and the Mounds. Yeah, it, it's a it's you know it's it's a phenomenal thing when you look at it and you wonder why they keep everything so hidden or they try to erase history and where we've been or what's been here on the timeline. It's just to me, it's such a disservice to everybody on such a big scale. Well, it's really pathetic these days when children can go on the internet and and find out. The truth, the thing. I, I know um, my grandson was was um, talking about Christopher Columbus, and, and he told me what he had learned in school. And I said, boy, that's, that's really interesting. Did you ever think about learning a little bit more about him? And Thomas looked at me and said, you mean other than my textbook? I said, there's a lot of information out on the Internet. You ought to check it out. Mm-hmm. And my, <laughs> my, my son came to me a couple of days later, and he said, what did you do? Mm-hmm. And I said, I told Thomas to think for himself. Yep. There you go. And, and, and I wasn't appreciated. <laughs> well, you know, the entrainment program is a disservice because if it's inaccurate data, it's not helping anybody here on this planet. The illusion of it. it's not. So uh, that's what I find so infuriating is that they're teaching people the wrong information. Would you want to teach somebody something wrong? So that they grow up to to misunderstand things deliberately, that's horrible. I mean, as a martial arts instructor, I have to tell you, I would never teach somebody the wrong technique. I'd want them to be empowered. You don't want to teach people the wrong data, the wrong well, information. Yeah, and that's that's why, as a teacher, um, I finally left uh, because mm-hmm. you know you weren't allowed to teach the truth. You and and the real thing that school is for is to teach people to think for themselves and. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. We're not even coming close. Exactly. Yeah. I think they got rid of the common core, which is a blessing. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's like teaching people to be stupid. There's no doubt about that one. But yeah, you, I bet you were an awesome teacher. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I really did. But but yeah, I, I taught for 25 years and it was, and I had special ed kids, which were much more fun than, than normal kids. Mm-hmm. Um, what grade level was this you were teaching? Um, I was in secondary, but I taught um, ABCs to algebra. Mm, wow, in, fantastic. In one class. It was basically a one-room schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, they don't make those anymore, huh? No. I did go to, a, well, I went to a four-room schoolhouse when I lived in Minnesota in the, in the God, 50s. Wow. And, and it, was, it, was, it was really cool. It mm-hmm. was. And, and I think that that we do a disservice to our kids by, by cubbyholing them to the extent that we do so that they never learn to deal with other kinds of people. I agree. And we're going to have for a break, everybody. You're listening to Hyperspace here at KSOR Digital Radio Network, live out of Las Vegas. I am Solaris Blair, and my wonderful guest tonight is Barbara DeLong. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Hyperspace, hosted by your mistress of the night, Solaris Blue Raven. Solaris Blue Raven. A vision that tells us that we belong to something that is greater than ourselves, that we are not, that none of us are alone. Share the truth and be part of the movement by calling the KCOR hotline number at 702-425-9230. That's 702-425-9230. Give us a call now. Worldwide callers use Skype name KCOR Radio. More with Solaris Blue Raven on the KCOR Digital Radio Network after this, after this, after this, after this, after this, after this. Gee, it's a 
quiet, too quiet, terribly quiet, awfully quiet. Do you have an hour to kill? Well, crank up those EVPs, spirit boxes, and walk the haunted halls of the unknown with UK's very own paranormal investigator, David Cook. You guys ready for this? The Ghostly Hour, live Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. And now, you're mine. Come hear first-hand accounts of some of the most famous ghost sightings, photos, and videos from around the world. Skeptics, believers, and spirits, both good and bad. Welcome, welcome to the Ghostly Hour, hosted by David Cook. Live every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Exclusively on the KCOR Digital Radio Network. That, that's good. Good. Turn your radio up. I love it. All the music I want to hear. On, on, on. This is my station. Here's what happened on the last episode of Three Guys No Tie. Through this inscription, I wish to enter my dying protest against what is called the Democratic Party. I have watched it closely since the days of Jackson and know that all the misfortunes of our nation has come to it through this so-called party. Therefore, beware of this party of treason. (laughs) Even back then, they knew. 1890, they knew, huh? 127 (laughs) years, nothing's changed. Three Guys, No Ties. Wednesday nights, 7 to 9 Pacific, on the KCOR Digital Radio Network. One million miles till midnight. A story of timelines, artificial worlds, simulated races, and the galactic imprint. And the destiny of a blue world called Earth. One Million Miles Till Midnight, written by Solaris Blue Raven, is a journey through the mind's eye which allows the reader to surf a wave of technological and multidimensional intellect, revealing a bridge between conscious design and the truth. A multidimensional bleed-through awakens the world of artificial intelligence to set sail into the frontiers of a vast multiverse, morphing planets and terraforming ascended worlds beyond the linear programs of a fated race. One million miles till midnight will awaken, inspire, prepare, and enlighten one to the many multidimensional states of consciousness and worlds we reside in. With every cell and atom, we are this truth and multiverse. One Million Miles Till Midnight. Written by Solaris Blue Raven. Available now at Amazon.com and GlennNT.com. Don't wait. Get your copy today. Hi, this is Bo Sinclair from Angels of Liberty. I listen to Solaris Blue Raven's Hyperspace, exclusively on KCOR Digital Radio Network. Hyperspace. Hyperspace. Beaming to you the truth at the speed of light. To be on with Solaris, call 702-425-9230. That's 702-425-9230. Worldwide callers, use Skype name KCUR Radio. 
magnify the experience by sharing your thoughts worldwide on Twitter using hashtag KCOR. Or converse with other whistleblowers and truth seekers in the live chat at KCORradio.com. Well, that's your choice. And now, the voice of hyperspace, your host, Solaris Blue Raven. Welcome back, everybody, to Hyperspace here at KCR Digital Radio Network, live out of Las Vegas, Nevada. I am your host, Solaris Blurev, and my wonderful guest tonight is Barbara DeLong. And Barbara, before we hit the break, we were talking about your, your teaching, and, and I was wondering if any of your students ever stayed in touch with you. Um, actually, they helped me to decide when I was going to retire, to be honest with you. I found, after 25 years, um, one of the incoming students that I had coming into my classroom was the child of two of my ex-students. And oh, wow. at that point I said, because <clears throat> I, I, they, they were there the day I was meeting the new kids and everything, and I, I took a look and I said, you know, neither of you wanted to learn to read or anything. How am I going to work with you with your child? And actually it, it, was, it was really kind of funny because it turned out both of them came after school and let me teach them to read so they could help their child. Oh, that's nice. So, um, uh, no, not, no, my goodness, it's been, it's been a long time. It's been over 20 years since I retired. So, uh, no, I have lost touch, but, uh, they they were some of the most spectacular uh, kids that they were a joy to have. And, and they made work, not work. It was fun. And even though, um, I, I think my favorite, my favorite story is I had a, a kid who was really not um, challenged, but he was a difficult child. So he was in my classroom and he was like 16 or 17 and he, he kept saying he couldn't read. And frankly, there was nothing wrong with him. He was just a little, he acted out and um, he said, nobody can teach me to read. And I said, I tell you what, I bet I can. And he said, nope, I can't read. I'm dumb and I can't read and I'll never read. And I said, well, I saw you, you writing some really not too pleasant words on, on the sidewalk this morning when I came into school. And he said, oh, he laughed and I, he said, oh, yeah. And he, he, he ran off the, the words that he had written. And I said, well, let's put them on the board here. And we did. And I said, now, if you change one or two letters, it'll be a different word. And so we changed letters all over the place. And so I think from, from six foul words, one that I didn't even know at first, um, we filled the blackboard with, with all sorts of words. And I said, now, if you can read all of these words, then you can read. And he said, damn. And, and we went from there to a book. And he was reading beautifully within, within two weeks. Wow, that's fantastic! What a nice story. You know, that's that's uh, that's very special. You know, we look at things like that. You had a good impact on a lot of people. You can tell you had a, a very um, powerful impact. Actually, when you think about it. I don't think teachers are like that anymore, Barbara. You know, you're you're special, um, very unique. Well, you know, I, I, think- I don't, th- I don't think they are either, and and it's it's unfortunate because teachers are forced to teach a curriculum, to teach to a test, or they're let right. go. And their communication skills, I don't think, are very good. And, I, and actually, when you look at the children today, I don't think their communication skills are that hot because they're learning most of it from their iPhones. So, Oh, yeah, and the texting and everything. I mean, you, you need a child to translate some of these texts that come through. It's really amazing. Everything's but, abbreviated. And it's <laughs> yeah, 
But, but you know, the purpose of school is not to, you know, it, first of all, you had to teach somebody to read, yes, and basic math skills. But that's it. I mean, when I look at, 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 at my career, at my life, at where I am right now, I, I have two master's degrees and uh, I'm an ordained minister and none of the stuff that I learned in, in high school or college has been of any use to me in life. Great. Um, Same with me. Yeah. What, what, what I'm learning, what I, what I work with now, I I teach myself, I research, I look into, I I look into subjects and things that, that fascinate me with, with the people that I have on the radio show. I read all their books before I interview them. And I have to say, you know, just because you're not going to push your book, your books are the best books I have ever read. I have blatantly stolen from them and taught classes from them. Well, thank you. Coming from a teacher, I'm I'm very impressed. And thank you so much for those wonderful words. Thank you, Barbara. I highly recommend your books. And, um, I, I, I love the fact that you, you, you were teaching in your latest book and then the, the book before that. Um, I can't remember the title of it. I'm so sorry, but, but okay. I literally did a workshop. Oh, Transmutation it. Through Ascension. Yes. That's a phenomenal book. Everybody should read that. Anybody who is, is really working on expanding their consciousness and understanding that the spirituality is not so much um, – you know, something you learn and kick back at someone else. It's something you learn and then implement into your everyday reality to enhance your relationship with the other spirits that are on the earth plane at this time. Well, thank you. And and, that means an awful lot to me. If it's one person even gets what I write about, then that's, that's my work has been done. You know, not only got it, I stole it. Well, Hey, that's fine by me. I'm I'm honored. (laughs) Yes, I do have my blessing. (laughs) (laughs) You do give me, you do give me credit and I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, and your writing as well. I mean, and I have to say your beautiful cards, um, those, those are so beautiful with your mandalas. I want to talk about that a little bit, how you came across or how you were guided to create these beautiful, beautiful cards, these Oracle cards, incredible work. Well, I could, I could weave a story for you, but the truth is even more fun. Um, I had been, uh, I had been painting mandalas for for people, and they're all over the world. And I did psychic fairs, and and I've I for a long time I did a lot of psychic fairs, and and quite often after the fairs, we'd all get together and we'd have pizza and wine, or spaghetti and wine, and and I can't drink well. Um, and at that particular point in time, by the second glass of wine, I was trashing every tarot deck out there because I felt they were, and this goes back a long time. So basically there was the Aquarian deck and there was the Rider Waite deck out. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And, yeah. and my, my feeling about them was that, um, that, that they, they had negative connotations to them and they could scare someone who didn't know what they meant. And especially the death card and especially coming, you know, upside down, it was, oh, my God. And mm-hmm. and so I, you know, I, I sat back and said, you know, I could create a deck that would be spiritual and light energy and, and that would that would deal with with a person's journey inside of themselves. And it wouldn't scare the daylights out of them. 
if, um, you know, cards fell, fell, you know, I, I think it, I said, I, I think that the whole concept should be reworked. And finally, after about the fourth or fifth time I went off on them, they, they had what they called a psychic intervention and they sat me down and said, now look, we make our living with these cards. <laughs> if you can create another deck, do it or shut up. So I decided, okay, I paint Mandela's. I'll use Mandela's. They're circular. There's no reversal. And just just because I didn't want to go with the the major and minor arcana, I didn't want to go with anything that, that was out there. The first 11 cards deal with the, the chakras, and then there are universal laws, and there are cosmic energies, and then there are the, there are the zodiac, and I threw in a few wild cards. And... I painted the cards, I mocked them up, and I plunked them on the table nine months later, and I said, there you go. I challenge you to make them say something negative. And they nice. couldn't, and they poured me the second glass of wine. <laughs> and, I, you know, and then I trashed their cards. And so um, a friend of mine, you know, I, and I was reading with the deck that I had mocked up because it was kind of fun and it was different and it, it, it gave you a different perception as to how to give information or, or to read someone. And one of my friends called and said, you know, do you still have that d deck that you did? And I said, yes. And she said, uh, she owned a restaurant. She said, I'll give you a free dinner if you come here and you read somebody. And I, I did. Um, and uh, the person I read said, can I borrow this deck? And it was one of the higher uppy-ups in uh, U.S. games. And she showed it to Stu Stuart Kaplan, and uh, he published the deck. I, nice. You know, I never intended to publish it, but it just happened. Well, your deck is fantastic. You know, I use your decks when I do readings as well. I incorporate those into my readings, and I wow. love them. So I will say also, and, and those are for sale on Amazon. They're also for sale on your website, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I don't. Oh, they're not. Sell. Okay. As okay. a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, they're not even published anymore. But there are lots of them out there that are still shrink wrapped and brand new. There are because I, I purchased mine on Amazon, so I know mm -hmm. they're out there. Yeah, I think they're wonderful. I encourage everybody to to uh, purchase them. I think they're beautiful, and I really love them. And you're right, very powerful, very positive. And we have questions here in the chat. Uh, we have Erin Hunter. Hi, Erin. And the question is, how did she feel when she realized there was something to do with paranormal? Uh, mainly with being an empath and psychic. Sorry if this was stated earlier. I came to the show late. That's okay. We forgive you, Erin. What do you think, Barbara? <laughs> um, what, that I had this ability, you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually, I, I, I have always been intuitive. I have always um, uh, paid attention to my intuition. I, I really, when it came to the point where, where I was in a, spirit, a class for spiritual development um, and we sat in, in darkness and silence and some people gave messages, I got bored and I started to make things up and the minister kept saying I was a natural and I kept saying I'm faking and um, took him seven years to convince me that, that I am so fortunate because what I do comes very naturally. It's not something that I've had to struggle with at all. It's just something I've embraced. And the, the more I embrace the strangeness and the weirdness, um, the more exciting life gets. So mm -hmm. that it, it's sort of like, I, I, I don't say I doubt it to anything, but basically it's I want to see it and experience it before I'm going to um, talk about it, you know, pro, you know, 
promoted, I guess, is a better way to put. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and also it, on your on your radio show, you also do a kind of a preview of a reading for people, don't you, on, on a certain night? Uh, no? Yeah, there are. There are um, actually every now and then when, when there's no guest, I'll do uh, what we call letter rip readings where I can give somebody the next year in about five minutes. Um, yeah, that's pretty I, impressive. Well, <laughs> I just, uh, well, actually, I, 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 it, it's what we call the letter rip readings. And I did it because people, when I, when I did readings on, on my old show, they would interrupt me and say, and then start to tell me their life story. So with a letter rip, they can't say anything. They have to just listen. And I talk really, really fast and I just let it rip. And uh, afterwards, if they have questions about what I've said, of course, I'll answer them. But uh, it's it, it it works easier for me because you can get so caught up in somebody's story that that it takes away from whatever momentum you had in mm-hmm. giving them what spirit wanted to give them. I agree. Yeah, I like that, too. I, I talk fast, too, so I don't give people a, a second to come in and interject anything as well. I think that is the best way to do a reading. And we have another question here. Uh, D Cook 73 hello there. Uh, do you think students who have trouble learning should have more one-on-one tuition? I think students who have trouble learning, actually, it's that's that's the parents' and the teachers' fault because everybody's wired differently. And in my opinion, I don't think there should be any special ed. I think mm-hmm. people should be taught compassion. I, I, and, and, you know, if you had the, 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 the special ed kids, the, the challenged kids in with the regular kids, everybody would learn to work together. Um, I, you know, sometimes today, especially people are getting tutors and they have all sorts of labels that they're putting on their children, which which are inappropriate and bad as far as I'm concerned. ADHD, everybody has that. Attention mm-hmm. deficit disorder. If you if you're not interested in what they're trying to cram down your throat, you have it, you have attention deficit disorder. If you're interested, you can't be pried away from it. You have to teach someone through their modalities that are the best and the strongest, and they will become brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Try to give them a topic that they'll never use ever, 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 and and they will appear to be a Mongolian idiot. Mm-hmm. And of course, when they have these teachers droning boredom, you know that's another thing too. They don't make it interesting. I'm sure they wonder why the kids looking out the window. You know, in the old days, I used to stare out the window all the time. I'm sure you probably did, and I wasn't. Oh yeah, you know, never paid attention. But I, I always aced my tests. If I studied, I was fine. You know, but I never paid attention. I used to bother them. We we but had I'd a always, period, <laughs> yeah, we had a period of time where we did math. I I taught the kids to go out and get the license plate numbers and the VIN numbers off all the cars in the parking lot, and then we came in and we played with the numbers. Nice. So you make a game out of it. You make it interesting. I think that's important. Oh, absolutely. Ah. And they all knew where the VIN numbers were. This is so. a good thing to know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Things like that. Even knowing how to fix a flat that'll that'll help them in life, right? Little things absolutely. like that. Absolutely. It'll move them along in the, in the timeline there. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting path you have. I tell you what, and I know that you have a, a specialty with the Emerald Tablets, and I wanted to dive into that. I've been last uh, week's guest, we also had the, we talked a little about both and, and the, the Halls of Amante. I, I'd like to cover this with you a little bit if you'd like to dive into it. Absolutely. Yeah. And how um, did you get involved with this, this part of this uh, research? You know, it, it has been, it, it, it haunts me. Uh, it, and for the last probably seven years, 
uh, the, the Emerald Tablets keep falling into my lap, and I keep saying, later. I, I know it's I know it's something I have to get into, but but later. And I keep I keep. Um, it, it feels like I, I have to write something about them, because the the one interpretation that I've seen that I like is Doctor Durrell's, and the the one thing I have that 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 ups, not upsets me that challenges me is that he channeled his material a hundred years ago. And my thought is that it needs to be rechanneled, but it needs to be channeled in um, in in order. It, it you know beginning of creation and then through how things you know started to evolve and happen, and and then of course the the Toth material in there, and then you know leading it forward in time, giving giving people an understanding of of you know that that the, there is a a timeline that is woven into the material, but it is it's it's not woven in in order, so that you flip around so much and you don't realize that that you're it, what they're talking about is the evolution of your spirit, mm-hmm. and right. it it's it's magic, and there's so much wonderful information in there, and I know when uh, when I first started reading the material, it it just it something woke up inside of me and it was like this is so cool this is string theory this is all sorts of wonderful material here and and what's being said wakes up images that have nothing to do with what it's talking about so that so that there is a story of evolution ascension and and transformation that is in that material that that can be very confusing if, if you're not patient enough to work on each little, each little couplet all by itself almost. Mm-hmm, right. I, I noticed that when I read through um, the Emerald Tablets, it seemed to me like I was receiving an initiation to some degree. It just felt like it was hitting me on a multidimensional scale and uh, very, very profound and very powerful. I can't explain it, but it's the feeling you get when you get initiated. That's the only way I can describe it. Very, very strong. And I'm wondering if that was the same thing you were receiving insofar as the, the type of vibrational frequency. It's almost like it resonates with the spirit and the soul at the cellular level. Well, it does, and it starts to explain so much about about the creation of, um, you know, and, and let me get my, my terminology right here with, in, in my philosophy, we have a body, we have a soul, which is our mind, and we have a spirit. And at death, the, the soul and the body um, go back to dust, but the spirit moves on. So for me, it, it, it became a, it, it took me, it transcended religion. It took me beyond religion. It took me from, it took me away from the earth plane. And, and this is all there is into a more cosmic understanding of the journey that we're on. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, you know, when I, when I tell people that, that, you know, religion is really of this planet. And, mm-hmm. and if you're going to become cosmically oriented, you have to understand that religion um, or the concept of religion or the worship of a higher power is going to be different everywhere you go. And it, it's, it's always right. It's never wrong. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's always about transcending religion and, and the boundaries of religion. In my opinion, religion was formulated to control, manipulate the masses and then train them, saying we need this, we have to have a middleman in order to get to source, which is totally incorrect, as we all know. Uh-huh. Uh, but but you're, you know, the progression is really about consciousness and ascension and, and understanding, know thyself. Uh, I totally agree with you. And I, I think that that's the whole idea. We spend our lifetime sometimes preparing for the transfer, but we hope that we do the right thing on the spiritual plane enough so that we're prepared to go through this. You know, you go through the ancient mystery school teachings and they talk about, um, going through the bardo and the reflection of your life. And I'm, I just think that not enough people are really focused on what, what spirit really is and, and why they even have religion anymore. To me, it's so obsolete. But there's so many people that are still falling into that trap. Oh, absolutely. And what really gets to me is people, you know, people will say, I'm spiritually oriented and I'm on a, um, an ascension pathway. And, and when you say, what does that mean? They just they look at you blankly and and you know well i have studied this and i've taken these classes and these classes and these classes and and they don't understand that 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 doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. it's it's the simple things it's how you are living your life how you are impacting people gently and quietly subtly it has nothing to do with the showy stuff it has to do with with your intent and your genuine intent and if there isn't genuine intent then it's just all worth nothing mm-hmm. i agree yeah it's lifestyles just like anything else and that's why uh yeah, so it's more than just even for I can look in the branches of, of religions. It's the same thing. I mean, it's it's really about who you who you are as a multidimensional being and what you do on the timeline. You know, I, I figure if people are good enough to each other and, and they understand each other at a consciousness level, then then there wouldn't be the the violence there's that there's here right now. I mean, we wouldn't have these situations here on the timeline. But people are so wrapped up in in uh, hostility and programming, they've got to deprogram. Yeah, no, and it, it's there's such anger and. Mm-hmm. What 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 I find strange is not only anger, but the the ego gets so involved in it all. It's um, you know I've taken more classes and I've studied longer, therefore I'm better than you, and that's ridiculous. It's it's like people. You know, I know so many idiots who have PhDs and people that never made it out of the ninth grade that are brilliant. So. You know, it has nothing to do with education classes or certificates on the wall. It has to do with how you are going inside yourself. And, and I think that's, that's where most people stumble. They, they, they reach outside for the information that is carried inside and more appropriate for them. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. And that's why I think regression is, is, is a very helpful thing. But the cellular recall and cellular memory, and for me, it's always been about progressing and just working on yourself enough to a point where you start accessing that multidimensional design. And then you get this this huge download of, of what you really are as a multidimensional being. And you know, everybody has that potential. It's just a matter of, do they want to do that? Do they want to access that? They, or they're, are they afraid to go there? Some people, I think, are afraid to look into that, that mirror beyond it all and beyond the programs. Well, it's work. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. think that's what, you know, people, people make comments about, you know, well, well, you, you've, you've come so far, you've learned so much. And, and, and the reality is I've just begun. Mm-hmm. And, and if you stop learning, you stop growing and, and you might as well just quit. I agree. That's a very good point you make right there. We're going to head for a break. Everybody, you're listening to Hyperspace, the KCWR Digital Radio Network, live out of Las Vegas, Nevada. I am Solaris Blurian. My wonderful guest tonight is Barbara DeLong. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Thank you. 
All right, in three, two, one. You've been listening to Hyperspace. 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 Hosted by Solaris Blue Raven, where the truth is beamed to you at the speed of light. Live every Friday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, exclusively on the KCOR Digital Radio Network. For more information on the host of Hyperspace, Solaris Blue Raven, please visit her website at nightshadowanomalydetectives.com. Hyperspace. Hyperspace. Once thought a theoretical dimensional anomaly, now a tangible cosmic waveform to the true truth. Hyperspace. This is KCOR Las Vegas, home of the Digital Radio Network, broadcasting from a shack just south of Area 51. Wait, that doesn't exist. This is the KCOR Digital Radio Network. Now for the news. you can tell, Solaris is left the building. Well, just temporarily, we're getting her back on. She's up in Colorado. They're getting snow up in the area. This is Tina Marie, the network owner of KCOR Digital Radio Network. Welcome back to Hyperspace. You get to hang with me for a little bit, which is, uh, for some of you, you know, probably like that. For the rest of you, probably hanging up your phone. But don't worry, we're going to get Solaris back. We're going to get into a lot more stuff with you. Uh, her great guest tonight, we were talking during break, Barbara DeLong, and I want to ask Barbara because we're talking during the break and I'm always fascinated when I I get a chance to talk to people who can kind of look into things a little differently with a different eye than the rest of us. Um, Barbara, we were kind of talking about the future and I wanted, I specifically wanted to ask you because the whole thing that's going on right now is, are we headed to world war three? Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's world war three, but are we headed to war? I do believe so. Uh, from and and I'm not. I've done these predictions for the future every year for for decades now, and usually it's it's fun and I enjoy thoroughly doing it. But this the last couple of years have not been fun to do. And when it came to this year, one of the a number of things were 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 very obvious. One of them was that um, the outlines of many of the countries are going to be redrawn. So that so that there are countries are going to the the borders are going to be changed in in a number of countries, and it it feels as though it's going to be done through conflict, not through peaceful. You know, I'll give you this, you give me that type stuff. Uh, as far as uh, North Korea goes, um, yes, there there's 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 going to be war, um, and and I'm not sure that it's going to last too long, but I do feel that we will be forced to um, go in there and uh, 
prevent them from from take, getting their nuclear uh, stuff gone too far. But but it does feel it feels to me. I feel very strongly that that North and South Korea are going to be reunited. That that um, that's the only way it's going to work. Uh, there are other things coming for our country, though, too, that, that, that appear to be very upsetting. And it feels to me as though there are going to, as we get more into the fall time frame, we're going to be seeing rioting. We're going to be seeing... Um, well, hello. Hello. <laughs> to my weird world of quantum strange entanglement. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to lose this, this uh, internet. We have a storm going on out here. It's possible. It's... A, Oh, is that right? Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. So maybe it's it's fat boy from North Korea. Yeah, um, my my I was I was saying that that I felt that uh, North and South Korea are going to be reunited that um it, it, there is going to be the an element of war. It's not going to be a world war, but there is going to be it's going to be short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um that that he will I do believe that he will shoot off missiles that will be aimed at the U.S. U.S. territory or U.S. Um, ships or whatever. That we will retaliate and that he will be taken out. I, I know that they they're talking. They don't want to change the regime, but I don't think they have any any way out of it because oh, the man yeah. the man is insane. Um, so so that so that I do believe North and South Korea will be reunited. I do believe that there are other countries in the mid mid east there that are going to change their boundaries rather rather um, in in um, it, it's going to be a very surprising shift and change but what what in this country to me was the most uh, upsetting was that in in the fall time frame anywhere from september through december i felt that that there were going to be um, riots in chicago san francisco and los angeles and and possibly even new york uh the sanctuary cities mm-hmm. and it it felt to me as though um major foundations are going to crumble um which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned, but it, it does look as though it is, it is unsettling for many. And yet it feels as though the United States is going to be able to breathe again. And, well, that's good. Uh, so, so that, so that we have a lot of shifting around. It feels as though, and then the other part that really, um, and I see it, um, Often, but it does feel as though some major fault lines are going to give in. Now, California isn't going to fall into the sea, but the fault line that I keep looking at, and and I'm I'm so positive that it's going to go again that it's it's scary, is the New Madrid line. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the schools along the New Madrid line um, have survival kits for every child in the in school for three days water, three days food. Now. If the government is stocking those kind of survival things in schools along the line, the government has to know something is happening. Mm-hmm. Right. So, are you? It sounds like you're less concerned about a nuclear war than you are something more more natural oriented, like the yeah. No, I don't. No, I don't feel it's going to be nuclear. I really okay. don't. I don't think he's going to get that far. But mm-hmm. but and and we would not use nuclear against him anyhow. We just wouldn't. Uh, so, so, but, but I do feel that, that there is now the, the, he's pushing it and he's, uh, he really thinks that, that, that we're, we're bluffing and we're not. 
Oh yeah, so, he's so immature. I, I I don't know if he's firing all his neurons or not. I mean, there's something going on there. Thank you, Tina, by the way, for for helping me out while I disappeared. So very very interesting though, Barbara. So it's uh, it doesn't sound as foreboding as as it could be. Yeah, no, I don't. I well, I I think that nobody wants to have war going on, but or confrontation like that. But sometimes um, there's there's just no way around it because um, North Korea has made promises and they break them right away. So uh, you you have to get stability in there so that the, you can actually negotiate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and it does feel as though. Uh, I do feel that, that there is a greater sense of peace coming to the world, but it's going to take at least four years to get there. I'm going to so say, that, that's good, because I feel so. I feel like we're rifting. I feel like it's a complete turbulent situation. It's imploding. That's, that's just well, what I'm picking up on and what I see. But, well, yeah. you're absolutely right, but, but in order to create something that will be sustainable, you have to destroy what's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, you can't you can't build on a crumbling foundation. You have to you have to take it down to to ground level and then rebuild it. And uh, I I feel that that's what's going to happen. But but it but I do feel that the 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 country as a whole is up for amazing upheaval. And and there are going to be if you're not if you're not ready to be flexible and make changes, then then. There, you're going to have a horrible time. If you're ready to be flexible and just go with the flow, um, it, it feels as though it's going to be a very exciting ride. It's, it's your perception of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think that we're done with, with um, having trouble with air travel or anything like that because I know that I, I, I talked a lot about um April, March, April, and May, you know, the, the United States citizens having restrictions with travel. I think that that's going to be something that, that is ongoing, maybe even through the summer. Mm. Are you talking internationally? You know, yeah. traveling abroad? Okay. Yeah. Well, it seems like there's an awful lot of terrorism going on and stuff like that. So, yeah, not, not too safe to travel, I would imagine. No, and my son is taking his family to China for his 50th birthday. So. Hey, really? Wow. Yes. <laughs> Have fun with that, but yeah. Well, you know, it's amazing because I had a bucket list of places I wanted to travel to, and it seems like the world is such a dangerous place these days. You know, it's, I don't know if I'll ever get to see those destinations or not, but um, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate, you know. Yeah, I, there, there was only one place that I really, really dreamed of going. I wanted to go to the Hermitage. I wanted to see that that museum. For some reason, mm. that museum calls to me. Interesting. And... and uh, I, I, you know, the, I don't know if it has something to do with past lives. It probably does. Mm, because that's what it sounds like. I mean, they even have Schliemann's gold there. And um, the just the thought of being able to see something that really was a part of Troy, to me, would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the vibrational frequency and signature. You know, we touched on this a, a few shows back. You know, we're talking about how these sacred sites, these um, beautiful ancient structures, they have a certain frequency and resonance. So, and if you're able to touch them, which some places won't allow you to touch them, for example, like Stonehenge or something, but if you can actually physically touch them and absorb the energy, that's it's almost like an osmosis effect of, of reactivating you at the cellular level. So, and this is why I'm really big on on frequency and being in sacred space where where this, these big structures or whatever they are, ancient artifacts are emanating mm-hmm. the energy because it's a transfer. It really is a transfer and exchange. 
Oh, absolutely. And have you have you done any uh, have you done any work at all on um, or talked to uh, about the uh, Bosnian pyramids? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Doctor Sam Osmanovic. Uh, I can I can give you that contact information. Um, mm-hmm. The the Bosnian pyramids um, are are the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen, and when you talk about energy, it, it, they have something that is very unique to them that, that the Egyptian pyramids don't have. By the way, they are bigger than the uh, Giza Plateau pyramids. And what he's found is he's, he's um, ex- excavating a lot of the, the tunnels that, that, that go around and through uh, the area around the pyramids. And they're finding that, the, that they are so full of negative ions that people who go in there with illnesses come out cured. Um, nice. Also that, that people, and, and it's really cool. Some of these, some of the tunnels have these ceramic boulders and inside of them are objects, but they've not broken any open. So they don't know what it actually is that's in them, but they're placed in some of these tunnels and in the place, if, if they move these boulders, um, Hello. if they move the, that was, that was my, um, uh, echo thing. Oh, interesting. No, it just came on and was talking to me. Um, <laughs> if they move these ceramic, um, boulders, um, several of the, of the tunnels flooded. Mm. So, so they don't move them anymore, obviously. And, um, it, on, on one of them was printed, they, they found runic-type printing on them, and, and they were able to actually go back to and, and interpret them from some of the runes that were around them. And it basically said, the gate is closed, um, we're going to have to sort of hunter and gather and wait until, you know, we, the Stargate opens again, so that... It infers that there's a stargate there. Now, the coolest part of it is from the main pyramid, there is an energy. A, it, it's a signal. And it, it's shot out from the top of the pyramid. And, and the further it goes into the atmosphere, the broader it gets. And, and it, it doesn't originate from the bottom or the base of the pyramid. It, or, it originates from somewhere in the middle, and they haven't gotten to excavating that yet. But what they did was they were able to record it and then play it back to the pyramid. And when they played it back to the pyramid, the signal um, was enhanced something like 40 times. Makes sense. Wow. And, and it has been sending out that it, it is fueled by the sun. So that that, sounds so, familiar. So so that, um, and and it's just the the Bosnian pyramids are the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. And and what's really cool about them, you know, in Egypt they had gangs of archaeologists, and you know, they were, you know, nobody could really go into any of the um, any of the tombs or anything. But in the Bosnian pyramids, you can go. Anyone can go and help them to clear the tunnels. Oh, I'd like and, to do that. And it, they they will even put you up. You have to pay your airfare, but but they'll put you up. They'll train you as to how to do the work, and um, you get to go and work in the tunnels and experience that energy and be in that negative ion energy. And the the feeling is that these pyramids were meant for healing. 
Yeah, it sounds like it. Let me ask you something real quick. You, you know, uh, when you talk about the signal, this frequency, is it a scalar wave? What kind of frequency are we talking about? Um, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't know. But okay. what they did was they took the signal and they, um, they replicated into piano music. So you can actually hear the, the signal. What year and did they discover these pyramids? Do you remember? Um, oh, gosh. I'm going to go, but I'm going to say it was like 97. Okay. But I think I thought, that was Phoenix Lights. I think it was, li- no, it was more in the 2000s. That's what I was thinking it was later on, yeah. Yeah, and he's been working on them for a number of years. He had all, um, the Egyptologists, you know, denounced him. They, Hawass said he was delusional. Um, an mm. Egyptian guy did come and study uh, the pyramid there for 40 days or so. And when he went back, he said they, it, it is, they are not man-made. This is, they're definitely pyramids. And he was fired. Um, so that, so that scientists who were trying to document this were threatened by the, the establishment mm. that, especially the Egyptian one, because of course that's tourism right. and, um, but, but this man is amazing and he's so spiritual. It's unbelievable. And they have, um, at least three different, um, cultures that have either, you know, used or built or expanded these um these tunnels and you know they're they haven't even reached any of the pyramids yet they're just they're just working as they can on on the land that is available to them but but they are definitely pyramids and and it's about three to four feet of soil that cover the pyramid parts of them mm-hmm. what's the composition um are, do you know what color they were initially or is there, are they granite or um I, uh that's another interesting thing. They have carbon dated a lot of the um, mortar that, that mm. was used, and it, and it carbon dates back to about it is a, a better concrete than we can make today, and they have carbon dated them back about 37,000 years. Wow. How fascinating is that? That's amazing. How did he come across these things? Did he just happen to think that it just looked like a pyramid? Um, I, I think he he... He was into pyramids. I mean, he studied pyramids all over the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I am not sure how, I, I, I think, frankly, that, that he was spiritually called. Yeah, sounds like it. And, and, and uh, that the, the anyone is welcome to come. He ha- they have children. They have senior citizens. They have school teachers. They have students. Anybody can go and dig and help to excavate the Bosnian pyramids. That's wonderful. I love that. That's, that's very nice. It is a shame that they are so, it seems like they're so greedy over there when it comes down to the, the pyramids in Egypt. You know, they want to conceal everything. And what a disservice that is on so many levels. They start well, bullying people to silence them. Well, not only that, but but they're, especially on the Giza Plateau, they are burying stuff. They, mm-hmm. they, they dig it up, they look at it, and they bury it, and they say it's to preserve it. But I don't believe that. I, th- I do believe that they are... They are hiding history from us so that we don't um, take the information and, and use it to grow and expand. And, and I, 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 I really believe that we are being um, imprisoned in our minds so that our spirit can't grow. Right. And the beauty of that is, well, this isn't the beauty, but we are 
ancient beings to begin with. So we do have that celestial heritage that's there regardless. If they if they try to steal or obfuscate data, we still have it within us to access that information. I'm sure of that. Especially those of us who have incarnated on the timeline before. We've been there before. We know those pyramids. I know you mm-hmm. have. I know I have. I'm sure the listeners have probably tuned into that too. So I can tell you point blank. We, we have the celestial legacy within us. And it is our birthright. And that's what bothers me the most is that we have a starseed birthright. They have no right to do any of this they ha- or hide information from us. It is our heritage. We have a right to know across the world. So that really bothers me about that, that they're so um, adamant about doing that and causing so many problems, you know, keeping people dumbed down. Well, it's not helping. And, and it certainly hasn't changed the fact that we've gotten actually quite smarter. Um, those of us who really understand what's going on on a multidimensional level, they can't yeah, but, stop us. You know, the, the corporate octopuses still are able to control the masses. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, once, once they're out of the way, then, then, then we'll really be able to grow, but, but it's going to take time. And, right. you know, I'm not so sure it's this lifetime, but I do know it will happen. Yeah, I know yeah. what the biggest culprit is behind it all is, is the control manipulation of frequency. And mm-hmm. the fact that they've deployed a lot of what I would call array systems that are designed to control manipulate frequencies. We were talking about this also where they're hijacking power spots. You know, they're, they're running interference. It's almost like they're trying to run um, kind of a blocker or something to run in a jamming system to run interference against beautiful natural power spots, which are emanating and radiating these beautiful, beautiful signals and transmissions of frequency. And, and in my opinion, they're designed to heal people, enlighten them, and activate the DNA like you were touching on. So once again, it's a, it's a frequency war. And I think that we are winning the war and the illusion of, even though it seems like it's, it's very rough right now. But I still say, take all those AIs down. Take it down, and you'll see a beautiful world of enlightenment. Oh, I That's agree. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. And And... The reality is, if there is that kind of power there, they isolate it and they restrict it. You can't, you can't get into Stonehenge anymore. Avery is, you know, if you go in with a tour group, you know, they'll, they'll say, feel the stone, feel the energy, move on. I mean, they don't let you put your back up against it and blend with it or anything like mm-hmm. that. You know, they're Never very, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't, they don't let you take advantage of the energy that's there, and right. and that's that's kind of why um, what I'm doing with with Bill Brown is is you know you don't in in order to get into these power spots you don't have to be sitting on them correct yep your, energy and consciousness your, your spirit can go anywhere mm-hmm. and true. and so uh, you know the, the hope is that, that maybe we can teach people that maybe they can then go off on their own and and, and travel to wherever they want to. Well, it's the same effect with distant healing work. It works the same way. There's no time. There's no distance. It's just, it's there. It's right there. It's like walking from one room to the next. Absolutely. It's a frequency. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that one. And I think that I applaud you for this. I can't wait for this experiment. I guess I wouldn't call it an experiment. Whatever it is, I, I'm very interested in it. I think it's going to be fantastic. We're going to have for a break, everybody. Wow, we're just moving right along here tonight. My wonderful guest is Barbara DeLong. This is Hyperspace. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back at KCR Digital Radio Network, live out of Las Vegas, Nevada. You're listening to Hyperspace, hosted by your mistress of the night, Solaris Blue Raven. Solaris Blue Raven. A vision that tells us that we belong to something that is greater than ourselves, that we are not, that none of us are alone. Share the truth and be part of the movement by calling the KCOR hotline number at 702-425-9230. That's 702-425-9230. Give us a call now. Worldwide callers use Skype name KCOR Radio. 
More with Solaris Blue Raven on the KCOR Digital Radio Network after this, after this, after this, after this, after this, after this. Bowl for Life is a nonprofit organization founded in 2013 by Chuck Gardner with one simple goal to grow the sport of bowling worldwide. Over the years, Bowl for Life has given out thousands of dollars in scholarships to youth bowlers around the world. Our focus is to nurture integrity, honesty, professionalism, as well as respect into bowlers both young and old. You can help us by going to bowlforlife.com. Even the smallest donation goes a long way to breaking down the barriers and helping us assist people of all ages to improve their skills as well as knowledge of the game. Bowl for Life is happy to be partnered with other great organizations like the Youth Education Services Fund as well as the United States Bowling Congress with many spectacular integrated events planned in the near future. To learn more, go to bowlforlife.com. That's bowlforlife.com. You're listening to the all-new KCOR, The Core, broadcasting from Las Vegas, Nevada, the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, yeah, in a little place called Area 51. If ever a breed was affectionate to a fault, it's the Golden Retriever. They're people dogs, pure and simple. And the Golden Retriever Rescue of Southern Nevada needs your help. If you would like to volunteer, foster, adopt, or donate, go to the Golden Retriever Rescue of Southern Nevada's website at grrsn.org. That's grrsn.org. Or call 598-GOLD. That's 598-G-O-L-D. Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. XOXOXO. You getting these texts? Question mark. Where are you? What are you doing? OMG, you are making me mad. You better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at that'snotcool.com. That's not cool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Woven throughout the universe are keys to a hidden message. Awaiting a voice. A voice that can decipher their coded meaning. A cosmic connection to the cosmos. Tune in to the KCOR Digital Radio Network at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, for Cosmic Connection. Cosmic Connection. Cosmic Connection. Cosmic Connection with astrologers Caroline Lynch and Merlin Wizard. Your weekly astrology reading is but a phone call away. So call Cosmic Connection Sunday, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and get your free reading today. Cosmic Connection with Caroline Lynch and Merlin Wizard, exclusively on the KCOR Digital Radio Network. Hi, this is Bo Sinclair from Angels of Liberty. I listen to Solaris Blue Ravens Hyperspace, exclusively on KCOR Digital Radio Network. Hyperspace. Hyperspace. Beaming to you the truth at the speed of light. To 
Beyond with Solaris, call 702-425-9230. That's 702-425-9230. Worldwide callers, use Skype name KCUR Radio. Magnify the experience by sharing your thoughts worldwide on Twitter using hashtag KCOR. Or converse with other whistleblowers and truth seekers in the live chat at KCORradio.com. Well, that's your choice. And now, the voice of hyperspace, your host, Solaris Blue Raven. Welcome back, everybody, to Hyperspace here at KCOR Digital Radio Network, live out of Las Vegas, Nevada. I am your host, Solaris Blue Raven. My lovely guest tonight is Barbara DeLong. And Barbara, we're just flying through the show. We've got less than a half an hour left. My goodness, well, let everybody know how to listen to your radio show. Um, it's on Re- <coughs> Revolution Radio, um, freedomslips.com. It's nightlight. It's on Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern till midnight. And uh, I, I do very much like exactly what we're doing right now. And uh, I, I have wonderful guests, Solara, so you've been on a couple times, at least, yeah. I think. Thank and- you. You, well, you're always so much fun because it's 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 fun to talk to somebody who's like-minded. Or, mm-hmm, or, I agree. Or, you know, you know, it's it's kind of like you get to to share philosophies and you get to expand your consciousness. And of course, as I said before, your books are fabulous. I steal from them all the time. Well, thank you very much. It's quite an honor coming from you because I have a great deal of respect for you too, Barbara. And uh, it's wonderful to have you on the show. I agree that we do get along. It's just our energetic signatures are very compatible. And when we start talking about multidimensional things and states of consciousness, it's it's such a nice thing. You know, I remember in the old days, it seemed like more people were philosophical. Maybe maybe I'm jaded now. I don't know. But it doesn't seem like people of today are, are that much into talking the way we talk. I I could be wrong, but I don't see it very often. No, it, it's... and. I, I think that it comes with with not age but with maturity, and mm-hmm. and it, it's it's sort of like when you get into into questioning everything and having opinions and philosophies that that are constantly growing. I, I always say to people, or I try to say when I'm when I'm talking philosophy, you know, this is how I feel today, but tomorrow it could easily be changed mm-hmm. be, because nothing is carved in stone anymore, and. You know, when you look at when you look at things like like the pyramids and 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 Belize and Pumapunka and you know all of these amazing stone edifices out there, um, you know they're carved in stone. There's no doubt about it. And and yet you, you have to wonder who who made them, who created them, and uh, nobody questions that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and, take it for granted. Yeah, and and you know you, you you look at all the theories, especially with the pyramids. You know, oh, they built these these causeways and they moved the stuff up that way. Or, I mean, the reality is that that nobody really knows how they were created. They just were created, and the ones above ground never had mummies in them. There are no bodies ever discovered in the ones above ground. They weren't mm-hmm. tombs, and nobody right. to this day questions. Well, if they weren't tombs, what the heck were they? Right. 
Well, a lot of people call them the generators, and I, I tend to believe that to some degree, but I also know they're used for mystery schools, and I call uh-huh. it the transfiguration of the atom, which means that it's about it's about transforming and phasing and basically changing our molecular structure at the DNA level. In other words, it was turning them into gods, in my opinion, beyond the word God, but that's I think that's the mystery school teaching behind it, and I, I think that's what we have lost along the way. Um, you see a lot of secret societies thinking they have all the answers, but I think they have a, a tainted version and a very distorted version of what what the uh, transfiguration of the atom is about. You know, I don't think they get it at all. I think it's something that's divine within a, each one of us as star people and that we just activate it through our pure intent. But, yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Um, what do you think the pyramids were used for? Well, I, I, I think they were probably used for a lot of things, but I, I, I tend to go right along with you as far as initiation and... Um, and, and communication, I think, I, I feel that they were definitely used for communication and for uh, initiation things, but but not the way people think. You know, when you think of initiation, most people, it's usually used in, in either um, conju- conjunction with, um, you know, the Freemasons or sororities and fraternities. But but initiation is is a journey again internally it's not mm-hmm. it's not something that somebody does to you it's something you allow to flow freely from you to your consciousness and it's it's a process that you know when when you talk to the um when you when you talk to somebody on the street and, and they they you say what is an initiation, they they're basically saying you go through a lot of problems and challenges and then you get to be somebody else and that's 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 not exactly the way it is. It's tearing down those barriers internally and opening yourself up to the you know the 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 spirit that dwells within. And it's creating a bridge of understanding from consciousness to higher consciousness. And it's it's expanding your awareness into a more cosmic arena than than what we have uh, here on on the Earth plane. Our consciousness in the Earth plane deals basically with our physical reality, and our physical reality is very real. It's very structured. It's very down to earth and grounded. But what we are searching for, stretching for, is that cosmic consciousness that takes us into other dimensions, other realms, and and awakens the fact that, that we are, uh, our spirit is, is immortal, and it is part of a, of a greater consciousness that sort of sent us out kind of like seeds into the universe to plant, to grow, to stretch, to expand. And there's a there's an old fable that I, I tell people often that the gods or the higher powers or the greater consciousnesses, whatever you want to call them, uh, got together and created man. And they they created man in their image. And after they were all done and there was a creation there, they realized that they'd made the mistake that not only did they create them in their image, but they they gave them their powers so that they had the powers and the sight and the wisdom and, and all of the magic that goes along with godhood. And they, they realized that they couldn't turn these infants, humanity, humans, uh, loose on the universe. So they decided to hide the awareness that, they, uh, that, that we were as they, that we could do what they did. 
and and they they wanted to hide that that knowledge and wisdom someplace where humans wouldn't find it. And so for for generations, for eons, they struggled with where are we going to hide this knowledge because we can't take it away. It's there. We made it. And finally, after a while, an old crone came into um, came into the uh, the room where where the the place where they were doing this debate. And the debate went on for eons. And she, I guess she finally got sick and tired of everybody trying to figure out. And they would say, well, hide it on the moon. Nah, they'll, they'll, they have curiosity. They'll go there and they'll find it. Or hide it in the bottom of the deepest sea. Nope, they, they're curious. They will eventually go there and find the knowledge. And this, this crone came in and said, I'll tell you where you can put it, where they'll never think to look. And everybody was silenced. And they all looked at her and she said, Hide the knowledge inside of them. They'll never think to look there. And so it was done. So that so that we have inside of us all this knowledge, all this wisdom, and, and I call it magic. Um, the spirit is able to, to travel freely interdimensionally. It does so when we're asleep. Almost every single one of us has. You know, Barbara, experience. it's it's interesting you say that because um, you may not know, but I, I'm a contactee. I've been I've been taken 13 times, and uh-huh. the experience I had with the elder. One of the things that he always would say to me before we left is he would put his hand on his chest. He would put his hand then on my chest, and he would say, "Everything you need to know about the universe and you is contained within." And I tell people that I, I strongly believe that everything that we need to know is in some way contained within, whether it's from past lives, um, we've all had them, to future lives, or lives that are simultaneously happen, happening um, in the now. There's a version of us happening um, constantly, every possibility simultaneously at once. And we just, because of the, whether you, you know, people talk about the... Um, the energy on this planet, this this third dimensional plane that we're on, limits us the ability to be able to tap into that. Yet some people, like yourself and others, who are more awakened, who are able to tap into this, I tell people we need to come up with a different term, I think, than psychic or something like this, because I think all that these people are doing are the same thing that we all have the same ability to do, which is to tap into what is internally inside of us, just not all of us are awake or at that vibrational frequency to do that. Mm-hmm. I know my, my husband refused to call me a psychic. He said, you're a spiritual empath. And I kind of liked that. That that kind of worked for me. So, you know, you use the term psychic because mm-hmm. you can do readings and stuff. And so people, you know, it's just a term that, that gives them an idea as to what you do. But but I, I don't even do the reading stuff that much anymore. I am more into the teaching and, and the learning and the stretching and the growing. Well, hello again. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I keep disappearing in between the spaces you're of... You're taking of off on the mothership and you're not inviting us? Oh, I'm telling you, I, I would love that right now. Let me tell you, there's a big storm over here. I can actually see a bunch of snow coming in. So I know that's probably what it is. But thank you for bearing with me and uh, everybody else listening. And thank you, Tina Marie, for covering... Sorry about that, Barbara. I don't know where we, we left off here. What were you talking about? Um, 
the mothership. <laughs> okay, the mothership sounds good. <laughs> no, we yeah. were actually talking. Barbara was explaining about how we, you know we all have the, the ability to tap into this information that's within us, and I was explaining to her the experience I had with the elder. And how he said that everything we need to know about the universe and ourselves is contained within. And I always, that, that just really struck me as something that, you know, they, they find that even in your cells, I mean, you're able to, you know, think about it, clone somebody just from one single cell. And so all the information that we have, that's nothing, that's all it is. It's just energy throwing through the cosmos. It's just the ability to tap into it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, yeah. yeah. Cellular memory. Yeah. And and not only that, but our DNA, it, actually, what people don't understand is that we carry within us our, we carry within us our own hall of records. Mm-hmm. It's it's in our DNA. It's it's there. We may only use one strand, but but the other strands that are there have have all of our past lives, all of our wisdom, all of our knowledge, all of our magic, all of. I mean, it, it, there, there's even a part of our DNA that, that is not active, but if triggered on, would enable us to grow limbs if we lost a leg or an arm. Mm-hmm, exactly. I mean, it's it's all there. I mean, we have our, the avatar wherein our spirit dwells mm-hmm. is an amazing machine. Very much so. And that's why they're so interested in the genome project, you know, and mapping uh, the DNA. It, it's really about what they're trying to acquire through what we are as multidimensional beings. They know that. Uh-huh. So um, you see it all the time. And this is why people have no idea what their full potential is, which is mind blowing. Once they start activating at these higher levels, this is why I say the path of spirit, it's an exciting journey. And you keep, as you keep growing and progressing, as you were touching on earlier. So yeah, it's a wonderful journey. I just don't like people obstructing us. You know, I don't want people getting in our way and, and trying to shut off or switch off our DNA with, with whether it's GMOs or whatever else they're trying to do to, to poison people. Uh-huh. Well, the thing is, too, that, that you know, it, it's, you have to have one foot in both worlds in order to be able to manifest. And so many people, you know, kind of go off into the wilderness and, and, and are so spiritually involved that they forget that they, in, in order for them to, to really manifest what they've got, they have to be a part of the physical reality as well. And then there are those that are so into the physical reality and, and gathering money and tools and toys that, that, that they, don't, they don't understand what the, the, the spiritual realm has to offer them. And when you find that balance, when you can make both both legs or both sides or both pieces work in, in synchronistic harmony, then you can walk on water and it doesn't have to be frozen. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's a good analogy right there. I like that. Yeah, what I'm seeing right now is a lot of bottlenecking of data, as we were touching on earlier, which, which really is a disservice on a global scale. But we still have the journey within, as long mm-hmm. as people aren't interfering with our evolution. And that's the biggest thing I see, is that there's a lot of tampering going on with an interference program that's being run, with whether it's deception of knowledge or information or, or just hoarding free energy, for example. You know, the little things. Like, can you imagine a world where, where Tesla's work was just right there, free energy right here, right now, without all the drilling? We wouldn't need any, we don't need any of this stuff. And still, and still, they're doing the same old stuff. Um, there's Troy just sent a message on Skype. Hello, Troy. Wants to know that Barbara talked at the beginning of the show about remote viewing. He wants to know what it is, what is the most memorable place she ever remote viewed? Hmm. Uh, wow. I think, I, I guess I would have to say 
that um, it was it was interdimensional. That that it had to do with um, I think it's I think it was future viewing, but it felt it felt almost as though it was not on this planet. Though I think the only the only way I knew it wasn't this planet was that there were uh, there were more suns in the sky, and and it felt as though um, I, w- I I think. The most memorable it, it, it was that I wasn't in humanoid form. I was more pure energy, and yet there was a shimmering. I could see a shimmering, almost uh, iridescent, rainbowy type of of of, of um, energy. Um, so so that I wasn't in human form. I was in energy form, and. And there were other energies there, and they all had different patterns. They all had different colors. And and as 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 these energy forces came together, there was a blending of the colors. And then you know they would move away. And it was it was almost like it was a, a pure love. It was just amazing. And um, it was in um, a, a place that, that I didn't want to come back from wasn't, you know, you would have thought it was, it wasn't heaven, but it was another dimension. And, and I have never been able to get back there. It just, um, it was almost, it was magic to me. It was kind of like we were, there was a point in consciousness that you, you had an understanding and an awareness of so much that, that, that you didn't have to have a form but there was still you could see the energies and, and how they merged with one another and how they they formed groups and they it, it felt as though there was a whole culture and way of life going on there that I had no understanding of at all, but I yearned to be a part of it. That sounds beautiful. Yeah, I, I like those feelings uh, we get of bliss, you know, just being one with source, one with creation. I, I've had those oh, yeah. moments, too. And I'll tell you, it's kind of probably what Tina was referencing, too, with her, um, the elder, was you don't want to come back. You know, once you go to these higher levels of consciousness or you go to a place where you know you're immersed in what we call creation or higher frequencies of source, you don't want to come back here because this place is becoming, it becomes very coarse, at least for me it does. And I, I mean, I can navigate as a warrior spirit, no, no problem, but I still love being in that blissful mode. Well, I think that and, and the fact that you had the knowledge of the universe at your fingertips, that that there was no no need to travel because you were there. It was you were everywhere and you were nowhere. And and I don't know um, exactly how to explain it. It was just that I could be anywhere I wanted to be at, you know, in a millisecond. And if I wanted to research something, it was there and I could, I could soak it up and I could apply it to whatever I needed to apply it to. It was just, there were no, there were no barriers in the way of wisdom or logic or reasoning. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, you basically set the intent and it's there. Well, that's what we do. We manifest at will our own reality. But out when we're navigating, it seems to me, from my experience, and I've been in places where if I set the intent to go somewhere, I'm there. I don't, I don't need anything. I'm there in consciousness in motion. So I understand that very clearly. I also understand that when we have access to what we call the avatar, like you were talking about that avatar consciousness, I know that there are other forces on this illusion of a planet that are very, very terrified of us accessing our multidimensional design because it frees us up from the program of man. And mm-hmm. that's something that I'm very clear on that they've run interference. You know, you can call them whatever you want to call them. I've had my own taste of the artificial intelligence program. 
So I'm very clear that that's happened. And, you know, I still say we break the paradigm. You know, we keep going home because it's our celestial heritage to ascend. We keep ascending, going up, you know, always energy up. So that's the way I see it anyway. No, I'd have to, I, I agree with you. And, and it's, it's when, you, when you kind of make a breakthrough, when you get through one of those barriers that has artificially been put in your way, it's so exciting. It's mm-hmm. just like, damn, now I can reach a little further and grow a little more. And, you know, the Emerald, ta- we, we got to do a show on the Emerald Tablets sometime when we can really get into the material because it's, yes. it's fascinating material. Well, I have to have you back. That's all there is to it, Barbara. You have to come back on the show. Well, we can do that too. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I do love the Emerald Tablets and I'm very much in tune to those as well. So yeah, it's, it's incredible. But you know, we're about four minutes out plus or minus before we end the show here. I can't believe it. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time with you. I just love having you on the show. And and thanks, Tina, again, for covering for me when I lose this uh, internet here with the storm going on. So let everybody know once again, how to get in touch with you and get a great reading and all that wonderful stuff. Um, they can they can email me at barbaradelong.com if they want to be a part of the uh, the meditation remote viewing into the Giza Plateau. They can email me at barbaradelong at gmail.com. And uh, the website is uh, real hard, barbaradelong.com. <laughs> I'm so glad it's easy like that because it, it really makes it a lot easier for everybody. You know, we just oh, have gosh. your name in there. I should have probably done that too. I do have one like that, but then the other one's a longer one that nobody ever figures out, but that's okay. But yeah. And once again, your radio show is on Monday night. So people can access that and, and get a, get a listen and take a listen to what you're up to and, and all the good stuff that's going on in your orbit. Definitely. And this, this next Monday I have Michelle Avanti on and she's an amazing astrologer. And, uh, you know, all you need is your time of birth and your place of birth. And of course your birthday. And she does your chart right there on the air and, I throw cards and and we uh, banter back and forth and make fun of you. No, we don't. We mm-hmm. we really we uh, give people information. Hopefully, that is that is useful to them. Oh, I think it sounds wonderful. You know, a lot of people need guidance. You might think it's kind of corny, but I'll tell you what: a lot of people need a compass. Sometimes they need they need to know what direction to go. And I see a lot of people being a little more scattered than normal with all the stuff that's happening here. So I I think healers, I've said this a billion times, anybody who's capable of healing, doing any kind of energy work or spiritual counseling or readings, you know, we need a lot of those beings here to help and assist. And they are like pillars and beacons of light out there. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Like I said, I love the work you do and I love your Oracle cards. I think they're fantastic. So. Um, oh, use them all you. the time. Yeah, I like playing with those. Those, those are great. And uh, also, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. I hope you appreciate the show. I know I know, I did. And uh, once again, um, thank you, Tina Marie, for making this wonderful network happen. She's an awesome producer and station owner. Uh, tune in next week, and my special guest will be Steve Colburn. He'll be talking about his updates with alien implants and what he's been up to. And stay tuned for The Grind coming in only here at KCR Digital Radio Network. That's coming right up here. Anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with tonight here? I think we have maybe two minutes plus or minus. Barbara, anything you'd like to, to leave the listeners with? Uh, just, just that 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 this is this journey, this lifetime is supposed to be a celebration of light. It's supposed to be a cosmic dance of joy, and and you do create your reality by your perception of it. And and so, if things aren't the way you want them to be, all you need to do is really focus on the perception of what you want, and you do create it. Absolutely, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have ruby slippers either, right? No, that helps too. <laughs> I still want a pair. 
<laughs> I think I think it's great. You know, it's it's significant that we we focus on that. I like that you're um, tuning everybody back into that wave of of where we need to be on the timeline. Um, also, love love is prominent too. That's what I was thinking about. You know, just in appreciating yourself and and loving each other. Um, you know, to me, that's very very significant with animals. Even you know, having oh, gotcha. having your loved ones around you, whether they're furry friends or people. Well, I think John Lennon's Imagine is truer today than it was the day he he wrote it, and and it continues to evolve into uh, a way of life for for people. And and if you just listen to the words, you know that he was a magic man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very 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 different lyrics back then. Nowadays, things have shifted quite um, quite different. We're out of time here, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Once again, thank you, Barbara. It's been a wonderful, wonderful show. Thank you for joining us. And everybody, have a great week. Until next time. All right, in three, two, one. You've been listening to Hyperspace. 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 Hosted by Solaris Blue Raven, where the truth is being to you at the speed of light. Live every Friday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, exclusively on the KCOR Digital Radio Network. For more information on the host of Hyperspace, Solaris Blue Raven, please visit her website at nightshadowanomalydetectives.com. Hyperspace. Hyperspace. Once thought a theoretical dimensional anomaly, now a tangible cosmic waveform to the true, true. Hyperspace. This is KCOR Las Vegas, home of the Digital Radio Network, broadcasting from a shack just south of Area 51. Wait, that doesn't exist. This is the KCOR Digital Radio Network. Now for the news.